This morning, uh, I just share this story too. Um, typically, when uh, missionaries call, I try to call them back. And so sometimes you call and catch them, and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you get excuses. You know how you call someone, they give you an excuse when you call them why they missed your call? Uh, and some people, they reach way out there. So when, when Kent called and asked about coming to share at service and I, and I was able to return the call, uh, he calls me back late. He doesn't answer my call, so there's strike one for the missionary. <laughs> then he tells this crazy story that he missed my call because he was in the White House. I mean, who misses a phone call because they're at the White House? Like the one in Washington, he's really trying to get me to believe this story, but that's the, the reality. The missionary that we have today, uh, Ken Hobart, um, he's a, a missionary, and, and this is the beauty of even the prophecy, the, the word that came to the youth. The vision of Youth Alive is that every student would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and so Kent, is, he oversees what is Youth Alive. It's a ministry that is... Uh, well, I'm going to talk about it from my paradigm, and he's going to tell you how things change. I actually led a Youth Alive when I was in high school. 1994, I believe, was the year when I led Youth Alive in my high school. Uh, once a week we had Bible studies, and we would do student assemblies. It was student-led, student-initiated, and I was able to share my faith and challenge my peers with the gospel of Jesus Christ as a high school soft junior and senior. And... I was telling Kent this morning as we were sharing, that time in my life set a foundation or put in place some of the principles that have guided my ministry and who I am today. Because as a young person, I stepped up and led. As a young person, I was challenged by God to reach, and I did. And so I'm passionate about Youth Alive. Uh, it's in my DNA as a pastor. I'm excited to hear from Kent this morning. Uh, he, he is, he gets us, just for the record. Uh, he lives in Springfield, Missouri currently, but he was born and raised in Gearing, Nebraska, so we can accept him already, guys. Just know that he gets the panhandle. He relates to us well. And so I'm just excited to hear uh, from him uh, what God is doing, the heart that God has, and I'm blessed that he can be with us this morning. So Kent, Thank you. Kent Holbert. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to be in western Nebraska. I mean, I, and I can talk some Husker football. I haven't done that this morning. That's a shock. Normally I'm talking about the four-star safety recruit that they just got committed last night. And glory. The glory days are coming back. I'm feeling it. And, uh, in fact, I can't wait. Uh, in Springfield, there's a couple ex-Cornhuskers that live in Springfield. It was a couple years ago. Uh, I helped a missionary friend who coordinated Mighty Mites football for little kids learning how to play football. And he was needing referees. So I'm like, dude, I'll help you this fall. So it was Tuesday nights for about eight weeks. My very first uh, Tuesday night, I'm out there and I'm seeing these little third graders running out there with their shoulder pads. And, and this one team was all decked out. They were red and white uniforms. And I'm just like, hey, these guys are with it, man. They're looking good. Then I see this last one straggling behind the team. And, it had the la and this team was so together because they had the last names put on the jerseys. I'm like, man, they've stepped up their game. I mean, it's matching, but they've even got the last names on, just like the high school kids. And I'm like, this is cool. And then this last one, Wistrom, was on the back name. And I'm like, nah. 
Then I look over and there's Grant Wistrom standing right over here. He's the he's the coach. And so it was just kind of fun. I've run into Grant now several times, so it's just kind of funny how but it's good to be in Nebraska. Go big red. Um but uh good to be with you guys. Thanks, Pastor, for allowing me to come. Um because every time this is what it does for me. I've now been in full time ministry for thirty years. Uh, my call to reach teenagers, my call of ministry started at Camp Lex at, at an altar call where God just broke my heart for my high school. And so I can go back to the summer of 1983, going into my senior year, that God put Gearing High School on my heart. Next week I get to speak in Lexington, Nebraska, so I'm going to drive in early enough Saturday afternoon, I can find someone in the campground and I just want to walk for just a few moments because I can literally in my mind so clearly I could walk to the spot and I, I'm praying that they've changed the carpet. But anyway, I can go, I know some of you are, I don't know if they have, um, but any if they haven't, well, then it'll make it that much easier because there's going to be a stain that I just, because I know where I prayed, and God broke my heart. Spent hours. It was 2 o'clock in the morning when I got up from that altar. And who would have thought, I wouldn't have thought at that point, that God would take that moment and turn it into a call of ministry. Um, but it's been lifelong for teenagers. just want to see teenagers to know that they've got a good, good father. That's where it's just, it's what it's all about, is what can we do to help students realize that there is an amazing God that loves them for who they are. They don't have to do a thing to change that love. They could reject Him, and they just need to know that He loves them still the same. The offer is still there, because He's such a good, good Father. And we want them to know that they are loved, and experience that love that's so complete. So that's what drives us, and that's what Youth Alive is all about, is helping students get connected to that. It's to help churches get connected to their local schools because it's one of the best ways for the local church to accomplish their mission, their local mission. If they're going to reach their community, there is no more convenient mission field in their community than their local school. It's what, on a Friday night during the fall, brings your community together. It's... uh, the activities, the, it's what brings families together. It's what brings businessmen together on any given day in the U.S. So imagine how much more pronounced it is in Crawford. But on any given day, the national average, if you just took teachers and the students themselves, school staff and the students themselves, every single day, school day, over 20, over 20%, 20 to 22% on an average of our entire population will be gathered in the local schools. It just makes sense that that would be one of the spots that we intensively try to reach. The Assemblies of God is the only denomination in fellowship that actually has an intentional missions effort to the point that we raise up missionaries to reach. We are the only denomination that actually actively is raising up missionaries to reach this mission field. It's the most convenient mission field for the local church. And that is our heart is to equip the local church to go do it. So whatever resources we bring, whatever strategies we dream up, bottom line, it is to empower and set up the local church to win. It does not, we can't bypass the church. It is, so our missionaries are tuned in to say, I'm here to equip you. 
and it's a beautiful part. We have over 22 uh, full-time missionaries around the country, and we're raising up uh, youth pastors or pastors who will take on the mantle to say, I'll be a coordinator in their district, um, because this mission field has got to be reached, because it's too essential to the local church. And so it's been our honor and our missionary role to step in to lead this nationally. Last year, we raised up five brand-new missionaries. It's our second best year ever. And as Pastor said, uh, God just continues to open up doors. It was a Sunday like this. In fact, it was the third uh, Sunday in October. I'm sitting, I wasn't out traveling that Sunday. I'm sitting in, my church, in our church uh, where my wife and I serve, where we volunteer. It's called the Connect Center, so we help connect visitors to our church. And I'm sitting there. We have the lull in the service where uh, the service is happening, and we're sitting there waiting in case any stragglers come in for second service or whatnot. And I'm checking my email, and all of a sudden, I've been warned that it was coming, that it might, but there was an email from the White House with an invitation to come that Thursday to a special faith leaders briefing. And so I sat in a room with about 100 other leaders, and it's just been amazing. That opened up another meeting three weeks later back in D.C. with the Department of Education, who I've had regular conversations with on how the local church, how the faith community can work with the Department of Education without violating a separation of church and state, but how we partner together to build better students. And so it's just an amazing thing. Um, in fact, I want to show you some pictures real quick. So I'm going to, I'll coach you on my slides. Um, and let me give you just a little bit, because one of the things I am more proud of than our ministry is my family. I wish my wife could be with me. Um, so if you can go forward one, um, one more slide. We lost it. Um, but I've got a wonderful family, been married for uh, amazingly 30 years. In November, we celebrated our 30th anniversary. Uh, met my wife at North Central University, and 30 years ago, we got, uh, uh, we got married. And to that, we have two incredible boys. We are uh, plugging through empty nest years now. Um, I'm telling you, for those of you that have young kids or teenagers, you're thinking the, the days will never end. Um, they will never leave the house. I'm just telling you they do, and it just is sad. I'm still, it's been, uh, our youngest son, Garrett, is at Southwestern Assemblies of God University and will turn 21 next month, and it's just, I'm still adjusting now two and a half years in to empty nest. I don't like it, um, but we got to let them chase, it's their time. they got to go chase the call of God on their life, and so I'm having to put up with that, but uh um, an amazing group. My, young, my oldest son, uh, Grant, just finished serving the U.S. Army. Uh, he'd been stationed in Washington, D.C., part of a very unique, uh, very elite unit of the Army called the Old Guard. So if you ever see pictures of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, that is part of what was Grant's regiment. Um, he didn't serve that detail. He got to do a, some other pretty crazy details over the three years that he was in there. Uh, last summer, he just came out and is serving and went into an Army Reserve, and he's making plans uh, to eventually become an Army chaplain, but he's looking to apply before going to that. He wants to get his undergrad degree done before he can... There's certain things, hoops you got to do, and he's got to get his undergrad, college undergrad degree, so to go to live out, staying in D.C., he's applying to the Arlington Police Department and will become a law enforcement officer later this spring, go through the academy, the whole nine yards, and 
during that at night start working on his degree. And uh, so the long-term desire is to become an Army chaplain. My youngest son, Garrett, is studying to be a full-time pastor. So he's at Southwestern Assemblies of God University playing football, but also studying to be a lead pastor. And he will graduate in two years from this May. Oh, that just is scary, the youngest graduating college. But, uh, but it's awesome. Um, one of the uh, fun parts of our ministry as we've stepped, in, stepped out into this journey um, is just to be able to help equip churches, and that's uh, Youth Alive's mission. Oh, there we go. There's pictures of the boys, um, and two good boys, so stinking proud of them. Um, I'm telling you, I am proud of my family, and uh, um, special, special, special. Let's go to the next one, if you don't mind. Um, one of the fun parts about our ministry is we just want to equip resources for students uh, because the heart of is to get the gospel to every student. One of our drives uh, creatively is how can we help students to share the gospel? It's one thing to say, let's go do it, but how do you, what do you say? And so one of the uh, projects we're working on right now, in fact, I have a conference call video-wise with my team uh, on Tuesday, is we're trying to create different ways for student, students to fluently be able to share the gospel message. How do they be able to tell it to their friends? And one of the ways we're coming, dreaming on is using icons. So if students can remember key pictures visually, this is a very visual generation. Give them five symbols that will help them to start to fluently begin to share the gospel. But also, with all the resources we want to create, we're, a word that we like to use is gospel fluency. We want students to have a gospel-fluent lifestyle. And just like learning a language... Uh, to learn any language, you've got to learn the culture. So this is the biggest point we're trying to give to teenagers, is the gospel is just not a message you share, it's a message you live. It's how you process life. It is the center of your life. It is the center of how, it's the glasses. If I took off my glasses, I'm blind as a bat. It is the, it's the lenses on how to bring focus to your life. And so using these icons, we can simply help students train to share the gospel that God loves us, that he cares for us, he is for us. He's not against us. He's not a powerful, just a powerful force, but he's a personal deity who wants to be involved in our life. God loves us. But yet because he's so loving, there's an issue that we have, and it's sin. And sin divides us from God. It separates us, totally reroutes us. And because of the sin issue, uh, there is nothing on our very best days, there's nothing we can do to solve the problem. Our very best efforts, good deeds, none of it will make as, nothing will be the cure for that sin. But then that third point, because of what Jesus Christ did, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we, our sins are paid, our penalty is done, it's, it's settled. Our sin issue is settled. We have a reconnection with, with God, or we have the ability to. But that leaves the question mark. It's just not enough to know what Jesus did. You've got to act on the offer. And we love to illustrate it with students as if you have a gift card. And today, teenagers be shocking if they don't have a gift card at some point or a gift certificate. And what's so amazing is it's just that gift certificate or that gift card is of no value unless you redeem it. 
You've got to act on that offer. And that's one of the parts that we challenge students is it's just not enough to know it. You've got to engage the offer. Take that step of faith. And when you do, it's just more. The gospel message is more than just sins forgiven, more than just a reconnection. It's not just a good, bad, equal thing. God does not just work on equal stuff. He, does, he goes over the top. When we invite him in to be our Lord and Savior, when he comes in, his Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us the power to live a life to connect with him. That is amazing. It's not a tit for tat. God goes over the top. He does something amazing by giving us his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to empower us, to live for him. That's why I'm excited for this, to, to launch this. We're looking to launch this at General Council, which will be when all the ministers from our Assemblies of God Fellowship, all the 13,000 churches, will gather in Orlando, Florida. We're aiming to launch this effort this coming fall to help students to live a gospel-fluent life, a message that they live, not just share. Because these students are an amazing generation. This is a generation of students who, if we equip, they go and do. This generation is not fearful to share. They just want to know how to do it. Their fear, if they have a hesitation, is if they're not equipped. When you equip them, they'll go do it. <laughs> it's an amazing generation. That's why at some points they put me to shame, and a lot of us adults to shame. Because some points where we see fear, they just see, well, just tell me what we need to do, and they'll go do it. There, there's a bravery within this generation, and it's amazing. Um, in fact, let me share with you one of the students. If we can go to the next slide. Um, ah, that was a picture of my wife, Stacy. That's when we were at the Department of Education. We'll keep going to the next slide. Hope Dazelle. Hope is a young girl in Minnesota who a year and a half ago got a dream just to reach her school. So she started out, she's sharing Jesus one-on-one. Then she heard about one of our missionary teams uh, that could come to her school and do school assemblies. So Youth Alive, we do a lot of different methods on how to reach your school. Students individually sharing their faith, students getting together collaboratively, and that's just not Assemblies of God students, but from different uh, denominations. They come together to be the Church of Christ on the school campus. We help them to do campus clubs or prayer groups. Whatever we can do to get the body of Christ together, to work together, to share the gospel, that's what we're about with that. But we also help students, we also go into schools and do school assemblies. So this is where our adult team of leaders, we can go in and do school assemblies. And when we do our school assemblies, we don't preach the gospel when we're in the school assembly. We wouldn't do that. Because it's a, it, it just would, it, technically it's legal if they give us the mic. But we don't want to validate, and we don't want to break the trust of the school principal. We're, we're there to help them. So they tell us the issues that they need to be talked on, and we adjust our communication to what that school needs. Last year, we spoke to over 100,000 students in over three, or 250 schools. It, and it's just each year we continue to grow our influence. Hope had heard about one of our teams in Minnesota, and she's like, I'm going to see this happen. They didn't have a full-time youth pastor at her church at the time, so she started dreaming on what she could do and uh, started approaching the school principal, got all the stuff that she needed from our team uh, to bring in a speaker. And what was so cool was Hope, did she did it all. She connected with the business community. 
before approaching her pastor about, hey, can you help me do this? It's going to cost X amount uh, to get this team in. Um, she started connecting with businessmen and started raising money. She ended up being able to go back to the school principal to say, hey, these guys have been in, and she had the long list of where our team had been in Minnesota, which is amazing. Our Minnesota team has been in over 60% of the Minnesota schools. And, but the whole heart with it is when we do the school assemblies, we'll do evening events where we do share the gospel. But in those evening events, we then plug students. We, that's where the local church is there. We plug those students right back into the local churches that are right there. So we're just there to equip the moment to help the, the students grow in their newfound faith. Well, Hope, what was so amazing, this young girl did all that. It was close to, because she really went, she wanted a band to come in to be a part of it. So it was a budget close to four grand. But she did it. She orchestrated it. She got the business leaders. She did all the connections. The pastors didn't have, all they had to do was kind of get, make sure we had enough altar workers at the evening event. That night, they were able to see 130 students come to Christ. See, it's the power of what one student can do. So you don't need to have a force. It all starts with one. Change at Crawford, at this school, could start with just one student. One student who will be determined to say, God, however you want to do it, whether it's through a team or through my life, you know, the individual life, sharing Jesus one-on-one, whatever it will take, if they commit that way and just trust him, he'll use them in a powerful way. Just again to give you a picture of what a school assembly would look like, I've got a video. In fact, this is of our Minnesota team. One of the beautiful parts about Youth Alive, because we're part of the U.S. Missions Department to plant missionaries, in fact, I am the very first, I was part of the very first seven missionaries that our Assemblies of God Fellowship commissioned to be missionaries. That was 21 years ago. But I predate that. Our district, where I was at at the time, Wisconsin, Northern Michigan, actually wanted to, long before it was a dream on the national side, they just had a burden that we needed to reach our high school, middle school, and junior highs. And so they raised us up as a district missionary. We've kind of proved the case. And in 1998, we launched with eight full-time, seven others, eight missionaries that started out Youth Alive across the country full-time. And so it's just fun to watch how God does this. And this is one of the neat parts is with the youth department, so we're connected to the National Youth Department for the assemblies. We also have this other missions entity called Speed the Light. Speed the Light is all about equipping missionaries to get the gospel wherever it is around the world. I want to show you a video that helps you see how Speed the Light and Youth Alive works together. And you're going to be able to see in this video, um, in fact, I love this video for a couple of reasons. You're going to see one of our speakers. In fact, this was the team. This isn't video from when we went to Hope School, but it'll, you'll see some of the band members that were part of that team. But you're going to see a speaker in there that does some painting. And I laugh because his name is Eric Tim. And Eric Tim now travels all around the country he, was on, he does a ton of tours with different music groups. Uh, last fall, he was on tour with Toby Mac um, and doing stuff all the way up into Canada with him. Um, what I laugh about is when I was in Wisconsin doing our missions work, he was one of our pastor's kids. So I can remember him when he was a teenager. And, dude, I got stories on him. Um, I like that. But I just smiled because I can see of a student who caught a mission 
for God to use him in his school and to use his giftings and to let that grow through to see the giftings of now as an adult. Here he is reaching others for Christ. It's a full circle thing. Um, and th- that's the part that excites me. So check this video out. Just move to the next slide and the video will start. Go ahead. Youth Alive is about reaching students on every campus and every community. And this helps me reach students all across the state of Minnesota. Four years ago, I had the opportunity of having Youth Alive in Worthington and the surrounding areas with the Seven Project um, to do school assemblies and to have an evening outreach. And it was an amazing opportunity to see God move upon the hearts and lives of students and people in the community. It was just a home run. Well, when I hit, when I heard the message, it really hit me, so I decided to take that seriously. And so I started going to church more. I started going to youth group. It was a really big pivotal moment because nobody in my family goes to church or anything like that, and they still don't. And I'm still trying to. Get through them and I know that I will but being the first one in my family to go to church and everything to even experience Christ that's a big pivoting point because now I have to be the rock to help them get into Christ and everything and along with all my friends and everything too four years ago we came to Worthington Minnesota to do a seven project outreach Sebastian came to the outreach that night and gave his life to Jesus Christ Now, four years later, we're back again, and he was there to pray with students this time instead of being prayed for and leading them to Jesus Christ. It's just an awesome feeling to witness someone experience Christ for the first time. It's been an awesome week seeing God move and seeing hundreds of people come to know him and thousands of people giving a message of hope and uh, do it again as soon as I can. That's what Youth Alive is all about. Students come to Christ, students follow Christ, students are discipled in their faith, and students begin to reach out to other students. We want to reach every student on every campus in every community. That's what Speed Delight helps us do. Thank you, students all across the nation, for helping us do that. you a little bit of a taste of what it's all about and that's the heart of youth alive is to be able to see students come to christ but plugged into a local church growing in it and finding the call of god because what's so fun is the call of god is not just into full-time ministry like you could see in eric samuel tim the painter in that video but you know what the very next business people the next farmers the next generation of leaders, community leaders, every one of us has a call of God on their life. And what's so fun is helping students be able to dial in on what that God vision is that he has destined for their life. That's what Youth Alive's about, is to help students be able to begin to find their, uh, their direction, that they've got a God that's with them, that's for them, and will want to do more than incredible, more than amazing things in their life. This morning I want to take just the last little remaining moment and just share with you from from God's Word, if you don't mind, uh, on courage. As we're into a new year, um, there's all, each year I try to kind of focus in on a word for me to help myself grow. And so in some ways you're getting inside my head. Sorry. 
Because um, trust me, it, you could be going, uh, if you thought some of the county roads were a little crazy, how they snarl around somebody's property, my brain has a lot of snarls in it. Um, but I do want to let you in. And I, but I feel like as you take steps of faith, um, there's just parts that I've learned from my journey that I pray might benefit you on your journey. Each one of us has a unique journey that God has for us. And courage is one I'm dialing in on. That as I begin to start to hear God's voice, Him begin to speak to me what He wants to do in my life, in my marriage, in my fathership of my two boys, in my leadership, in my ministry. Um, there's just parts. I just knew, I just realized I need to dial in on courage this year. So it's like, there's parts, when I got that email to go visit the White House, there's parts I'm going, but why me? There's a part where you feel like maybe not equal to the task. Why me? And there's parts, there's always moments as you're stepping out in your faith that will hit those moments of life where we're going, yeah, but I know me. Why me? Some points where start to doubt maybe why God has put you at a certain part. And it's just courage to step in where God's got you. You know, when you've taken those steps of faith on certain parts, and then you have that awkwardness of, ooh, this isn't quite how I pictured it to be. We need to have courage to stand in there knowing God's led us to a certain spot. Our God is a good God. He's not going to let us down. And so... There's parts with courage today. There are three things I want us to focus in when it comes to courage. Because when you look at Psalms 40, if you don't mind going to the next one, Psalm 40 talks about um, as we take steps of faith, you know, we're going to have some rough moments in life. <laughs> some points it's not going to feel like you're on a mountaintop, but yet you're in it. And Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 40 kind of hits parts of how life can be where you're taking that step and you're just like, come on, God, come through. I love this, verses 15 through 17. Soften up, God, and intervene. Hurry up and get me some help. So those who are trying to kidnap my soul will be embarrassed and lose face. So anyone who kicks out of me making, of making me miserable will be heckled and disgraced. Oh, so that those who pray for my ruin will be booed and jeered without mercy. Do you think this person's kind of, think the psalmist is, is coming from a part where He's being persecuted. Kind of laughed at. Yeah. Um, but for all those who are, who are hunting for you, oh, let them sing and be happy. Those who, who know what you're all about, tell the, word, the world you're great and not quitting. And me? <laughs> this is where he opens up. I'm a mess. I'm nothing. I have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God, don't put it off. Do you ever have moments of that, of distress, where you're like, God, I'll take this step of faith, but how are you going to take this mess and make it something, a message that someone can use? God, how can you turn this around to be good? Look at just a few verses earlier, if you don't mind going to the next slide. Um, when we look at just a few verses earlier, the psalmist goes, Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins passed counting. I was so swamped by guilt, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. That is so wrong. I so resemble that remark. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. So heavy the guilt 
that my heart gave out. When we have the defeating moments, my encouragement to you today, because we all have it where there's moments where we're thinking there's no way God will use me because we know our own past. There's parts where we can sit there and say, Kent, I could hear about God using. In fact, I hear it from students all the same. When I tell a story of hope, hope is a teenager just like any other teenager. The difference is she trusted God. And all the awkwardness and all the different details, she just trusted God. And there's parts I can hear from teenagers going, but there's no way God can use me. There's no way God will do what what he did for hope. There's no way because you just don't know my story. See, there's parts, every one of us, we all have the different hidden stories. And we would sit there and somehow think that that hidden story, because no one else really knows it, that there's no way God could use me. And my encouragement to you is say, you're so wrong. That's a lie. God can and longs to use you. Why? Because he is, he doesn't play favorites. This is the most awesome part about God, is he does not play favorites. He loves you as equally as he loves any other person. The person that you might think has it all together, and you think, well, that's, you know, there's just no way God would come in my situation. You just need to know, he loves you just as equally as he loves anyone else. He plays no favorites. He loves you as equal as anyone else. I hope that that sinks in because he is committed to you as he is committed to a hope, as he is committed to any other person because he loves you. He cares for you. So with three quick things, there's something, three quick things that I want to let you know about courage this morning. So the first one, you don't mind sliding forward. First thing that you could see here, we're going to go past that verse. Uh, One of the great parts is first, others can give us courage. Just know that others can give us courage when we're trying to figure out, well, where do I find courage? What can I do? One, just know that others will give you courage. That's, this is the huge part about why you need to be connected to a local church. Is right here. Is the encouragement, the courage that people can have when you're willing to drop the mask and just be real. Not have to, and not even have to feel fear of not telling all the family secrets. It's not not like you have to tell it either, but it's more like you don't have to have them hidden. You can live out just openly who you are. One of the cool things is others can give us courage when we do it. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 37 to 38. These passages start sharing Moses uh, happened to encourage Joshua so that Joshua could become that next leader that God had for him. So here's uh, the Lord beginning to speak. Also, the Lord was angry with me on the account, saying, You also shall not go in. But Joshua, so this is the Lord speaking to Moses, but Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go. So the Lord's telling Moses, Encourage him. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it, which is the great promise, the promised land. See, Moses got it that we need to encourage others. And he continued just a few chapters later but the lord was angry with me moses because of you you would not because you you and would not listen to me 
The Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak to me no more on this matter. Get to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and north and south and east and west and see it with your eyes. For you, will, you shall not cross over this Jordan, over this Jordan River, but charge Joshua and encourage him, strengthen him. So it's one of those great contrasts. Moses had led them for 40 years, brought them to the point, And because of some of his failings, God's like, I'm not going to let you be the one to lead them in, but Joshua will be. But go to that mountaintop and look over and look. All that you see, I will give it. Just strengthen Joshua and do it. Powerful, powerful moment. Because what's so amazing is this, when I look at this dynamic in chapter 3, is it takes a big person to encourage when there's no benefit to you. That's the setting right here. Moses could have made a choice to not encourage Joshua because it's like he could have quit. How many in our culture today, think about that, how many in our culture today would have been like, oh, God, you mean I don't get to see the end of this dream that you've had me on for the past 40 years for my life uh, in following you? I don't get to... I've been leading this moment. I've been living for this moment. I sacrificed for this moment, and I don't actually get to see the end of it. And Moses didn't get embittered. He followed God's promptings, and Joshua was able to follow his God-given. Many of you adults, you've had your moment as a teenager, so you know that journey. You're there now to be that next voice of hope for this generation to go conquer the dreams that they have for them. You're in a great part to be an encouraging to the next generation. Without your encouragement, this generation will not find their voice. One of the great dynamics, the church, and when you will find, you're going to find it's just not one way, it's two ways. You're going to find the youth of the church find their strength to be part of the church today. Not just be part of the leadership in the future, but be very much part of today if us as a generation now will empower them today and encourage them. Older, empowering and encouraging the younger. I'm here today when I grew up in Gearing, Nebraska. I'm here today because of 14 different men in our church in Northfield Church. Dwayne Kazire, do you remember Kazire Chevrolet? Dwayne went to our church. He was one of the board members. When he saw my name in the sports section, would cut that clipping out of the Star Herald. Him and his, him or his wife Patty would write a verse on it. And they knew I was trying to reach my school. They'd pass it to me and say, "Been praying for you." The moment they saw that clipping, they began to pray. When I had other board members, different leaders in the church, Dave Marion, who would have been in the sound booth. When they saw me, just said, hey, I've been praying for you. meant the world. You get to be that next voice of hope, just as Moses got to be for Joshua, so that what? Really, the body of the, body, the church in that time, which would later become the church, the nation of Israel could find its voice, its direction that God had for it. It takes leaders who are going to be willing to encourage the next generation. But it's also how we, as adults, can encourage one another. It's just not a generational thing. It's just a core value thing. 
See, encouragement can come from others. Secondly, next slide. Encouragement comes from God. God gives us encouragement. When we look at Psalm 27, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When we get that the eternal issues are done, settled, that when the heart stops, whenever that is, I pray it's not right now. That would be real embarrassing. Uh, but whenever it is, you know what? The big issue settled. The biggest issue in our life is settled if you've given your heart and life to Christ. Because death does not become something you fear. There is no fear in death. And that is this beautiful part. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom do I fear? I don't have to deal fear persecution. Because you know what? My God, the good, good Father, loves me. He's for me. Goes on, verse 14. I believe and I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord and be strong. Let your heart take courage. Goes on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In the midst of great, uh, great tribulation, for you know yourselves, know, brothers, that our coming was not in vain. But though we were already suffered and had been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of great conflict. Boldness will cut through so much of what we have. When we give ourselves to God, God will raise up a boldness, a courage to do it. But there's a third thing. It's just not enough to know that we can be encouraged by others. And that to know God will give us courage, He'll give us wisdom if we ask. The third thing is this. Uh, if you go forward one more slide. Here's the part that you need to know is that, is that you have to own it to get courage. Ultimately, you've got to own it. You've got to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have courage for myself to believe that all the past stuff in my family, all the skeletons will not happen to my family. So I'll speak to you about my skeletons from western Nebraska. Adultery will not happen in my family. Alcohol will not happen in my family. Why? Because I'm taking courage to trust my good, good father. Not because of self-strength, but because of who he is and walking close to him. Courage will happen. Changing family curses will happen. As we take charge and say, in my life. And so I'm, and this is where now my boys are on their own path. This is part where, as they've transitioned into adulthood, I can look at them and say, family curses have been broken. You're free to live. But just know, those things can come crushing right back on you. But it'll be a choice. Trust God. Have courage. And see, beyond the family curses, the things you would think that God could do in your life and right where you're at is so amazing if we trust him, if we have the courage to trust him to come through. So when you take the steps of faith as God leads you, I will just tell you, own it. Get into God's word. Trust him. Because scripture is clear. When we trust him, when we have courage, he will come through. He will come through on his own timing it may not be how we thought it would look. We, it's not how, it's not maybe on our timeline, but God will answer prayer. He is for you. 
That's why you've got to keep recalibrating your life through the gospel, being gospel fluent. is because when you go back, when it seems like the situation is telling you everything that opposite, that it feels like everything is up against you, just as we even heard from the psalmist, we recalibrate that the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? Because I have got a God that's a good, good Father. It's who He is. He's for you. He's with you. The greatest thing you could know is that God's got the power to either deliver you from what you're going through right now, whatever that situation, that hurdle might be. The great thing is God's got the power to either deliver you from it or just know this, He's got the power and He'll have His presence with you to go through it. No matter the answer, just know one way or the other, He's with you. He will have His hand around your shoulder to go with you. You won't be going through it alone. So whatever the lot, Ever His will, our God's with us. And He'll give us all that we need. And you can see all the different Scripture verses. Deuteronomy 31, 7, when Moses <laughs> spoke to Joshua. I mean, it's so amazing. He had to give the Lord Himself. I'll lead, read verse 7. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It's His last words to Joshua. God's with you. I don't get to go. Go. Run it. But you look throughout Scripture. For they saw Him and were terrified. This is Jesus walking on the water. They were terrified. They saw Jesus walking out in the middle of this big sea. But immediately He spoke to them and says, Take heart. Don't be afraid. Have courage. It's just me. God wants to show up in so many things throughout Scripture. It's one of the great confidences we can have. Do you want to take steps of faith as a church? When you take the steps of faith, there's going to be awkward moments. Because you'll be out there and you're taking that step of faith and it's, oh, I wasn't expecting this. It's one of those fun parts about Youth Alive is challenging churches to connect with their local schools. And as they do it and they find ways to serve, it, it, oh, we didn't expect this. And the unexpected kind of takes place And the more we trust him, he just starts to do a beautiful work that if it hadn't gone the way it did, things wouldn't go as deep as they were. A couple years ago, I was in Claremore, Oklahoma, doing a mission service just like this at First Assembly in Claremore, Oklahoma, just north of Tulsa. And I was sharing a message similar to this, but I was just talking, talking about how you, as a church, you need to connect with your local schools. But what was so neat, the women's ministry grabbed onto it. Within a couple weeks, I got an email from the pastor, and he's saying, dude, this is really cool, Kent. He goes, our women's ministry are getting it. In fact, what they've done is they've called the school district. They've got all the email addresses from all the teachers, and they've just launched an effort called Bless Our Teachers. And he goes, what they're doing is they're emailing the teachers individually, and they're saying, whatever need you have, if you have students that have clothing, anything that's distracting you from teaching, we want to help meet the need. So they said, if kids need clothes, if they need school supplies, let us know. We'll, su- we'll supply that so you can teach. Is that not cool? And that's, that school district has close to uh, 700 teachers. And it was, a, in fact, I was back here. I was back here in January. So that happened in, a, in, a, in a September. 
I'm here in January. I can remember now. I'm sitting in my mom's living room checking my email. Here comes another email from the pastor. He goes, dude. That's my favorite word, too. Um, but he goes, dude. So if you can't remember my name, can't just remember dude. All right. Yeah, we had this bald dude come to our church. Um, and, but he goes, dude, this is so much fun, Kent. He goes, last night we got a call from one of the teachers that he found out there was a family that was new to the community, but they didn't have beds for their kids. Their kids were sleeping on the floor. So he goes, I grabbed our men's ministry guys, and we went and set up bunk beds in the house. So we, had, we bought the bunk bed, the beds, the mattresses, and we set it up. And he goes, we were, as we were doing it, because we got the contact from the teacher, how, how to get a hold of them, they thought we were actually part of the school district. So we're talking with them, and the family's just blown away. They're like, oh, I can't believe the school district is doing this. And, and Pastor Dave was there with him. He goes, well, actually, we're not with the school district. We're with First Assembly of God. They just let us know of your need. And they're just like, a church would do this? And they're, just, and they're like, well, yeah. And, they, and Dave immediately just went to the gospel. He shared, well, this is the whole part. Um, and it, it, this is living out the gospel because, because the family's feeling like, well, we don't deserve this. And we're like, well, none of us do. It's just the grace of God. And we heard of your need. And it's part of we're all on this journey together. This family, the parents were just blown away in tears. That night, Pastor Dave got to lead that mom and dad to Christ. And today that family is a part of that church because they showed the gospel in action. And what's so fun is, here's the great part. One year later, this is so crazy, because they have a carport just out the front door of their church. So last, so, and they've done it the last two years now. So last two falls, and you updated me on this last fall, a couple days before school starts, they do a big in-service teachers meeting. And... The, the church has actually hosted it because they have enough classrooms and meeting space. So, like, for the big meeting, they could use the sanctuary with all the teachers in it for the big sessions. And then the, the women's ministry provided the lunch. But here's what was so cool. The youth group valet parked the cars. So students gave up one of their last summer days to valet the park and park the cars in the parking lot. But get this. They not only went and parked the car, the students washed the cars and they had gone to other people in the community like their neighbors and business people that for so many cars car washed they would get paid for missions so students were actually valet parking as a service but actually raising money for missions in the process for the teachers so when the teachers walked out of the meeting all the cars were clean and washed talk about a statement of the gospel where they could come to a church and be served all day. The gospel. At work. At live. I just love it. So that brings us to Crawford, Nebraska. What is God already in process of birthing in this church? Have courage for it. Dream of what you as a church could do in small ways. It's not the size of the church that dictates this. It's just to find a need and serve it. It could be as simple as finding, getting some school supplies. It, I mean, I, it's finding a need. You as a church continue to be, and, and it, the same principle pri- applies to your friends. Later today is one of the best opportunities to do friendship stuff. In fact, two weeks would be great. Is you, What I love about the mountain time zone 
is you get dismissed from church, you still get home, kickoff still hasn't happened for the football games. I mean, it's awesome. Now, living in Wisconsin, where I used to live, we used to live 50 miles from Green Bay. So if you were in a church that had two services, if it was a day that the Green Bay Packers were playing a noon kickoff game, first service was really full. Second service, a little sparse. (laughs) Um, But what I love about this time zone, man, you can go out to lunch and still get home before kickoff. So it's one of those fun parts. Later today when the Rams and the Saints kick off, don't just sit down and watch a football game. Invite a neighbor over. It's one of the parts I love about western Nebraska. I saw it at your gas station just out here. I saw a couple farmers that they just pulled over. And you know what? They're not even getting gas. They're just talking, catching up on life. It's one of those parts bring purpose to those connections rather than just letting it be the pickup meet and greet. <laughs> Take a little moment. And, hey, why don't you and your wife come on over? Let's watch the game together. Hey, you need help mending the fence. I'll Just don't do it. Hey, I can come over and help. See, some of it you already do. It's just taking that one more step of, to the conversation. Because what's so fun is when you do that and then you invite them to church, and I hope you've taken the opportunity to invite them on any given Sunday, not when you have something special going on. So like next week, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Just I know you may not. We'll just talk about it. Just come on. Come with me. You'll like our pastor. He's from Kentucky. You'll deal with it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's just one of those fun parts. Enjoy it. Enjoy the moments that you get. My prayer for you is that you'll have courage. Have courage for some of the things that you're facing in your life today because you've got a God that loves you for who you are. He's a good, good Father, and He wants to do that for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this wonderful church. I thank You for Christ Community Church for opening their doors. Lord, I just pray Your blessing and Your anointing upon this church this morning. And that, God, you will just show yourself in a powerful way. Continue to use this church to be that beacon of hope and light in this community. Thank you for the years that this church has done that. And, God, I just continue to pray for fresh dreams, for new dreams of what you want to do through this church, through each individual's, what they can do to make a difference in this community. Continue to give dreams. God, I pray you raise up teenagers in this church with a dream of reaching their friends for you. Lord, we just pray that this church will make, continue to make that impact in Crawford, in the surrounding region, in a powerful and mighty way. Because we trust you. We have the courage to trust you this year. May we be ruled by our faith in you and not in the faith, not in the fear of ourselves. Not in fake fears, but in the strong, real faith. May that be our testimony every head bowed, I have to ask this question. If you're here today and maybe you don't know that Jesus is the number one thing in your life, if I asked you straight up, I'm not asking if you're a person that attends this church, if you're a member of this church, but I am asking this. Is Jesus the number one thing that you're trusting in as your Lord and Savior today? If you're here today and you maybe you need to rededicate yourself to that, that He is the number one thing. He is the number one ultimate thing that you trust in for your salvation but not only that but you're letting him lead your life if that's you today i want to pray for you if that's you would you just look up and i want to pray with you thank you is there others thank you thank you wow 
There's several. Thank you. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. And if this is you, even if you didn't look at me, just the, heart, the key part isn't the prayer, it's who you're praying towards. But I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me, for loving me. Forgive me of my sins and doing things my own way. I want to do it your way. Be my leader and my savior. I give all my life, all my heart to you. I give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you you said that prayer, would you make sure that you see the Mallory's today before you leave? Let them know that you prayed that prayer and you can be you can say, hey, dude, well, don't do that. To, <laughs> uh, you know, don't. You could do Ecclesiastes 9.10. Don't call me dude. That's take your right hand and we'll do it with, take your right hand and do it with all thy might. You know, that's Ecclesiastes 9.10. Uh, she might all thy might with her right hand upside your head. So don't call her dude. Um, do that would work. Um, but just let them know that you prayed that prayer. And because it, how can a shepherd, how can a pastor be a shepherd unless they know? And so, and the cool thing, too, is there's no guilt. Hear that. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, there is no guilt. This is actually a party that it's like, celebrate. Let people know because you're not alone. That's the beautiful part of the church. Thank you for letting me be here today and being a part of you. But I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, the greatest thing you can do is have the courage to let them know what, that you prayed that. And I just want to pray one last thing before I turn it to you, Pastor. I just want to pray a blessing upon you as a church, that you have the courage that this year as a church, courage would be one of the things that would be a hallmark, that you're courageously in faith trusting him for greater things this year than you could ever ask, think, or imagine because that's how God lives. That's how he wants for you because, again, he doesn't play favorites. He wants to shower your life that way. Dear Jesus, thank you for this wonderful church. God, I just pray your blessings be upon them. Bless the Mallory's, Lord. And I just pray this entire church will feel your blessing because they chase after courageously in faith all that you have for them. God, may this church continue to be reaching out in this community. I pray that you'll give them, expand their influence. God, I pray your hand of blessing and power and might be upon this place in such a powerful way that, God, you will expand their, their influence. May their influence be mighty in this region and take new territory for you. May thousands come to know you, be marked by this church's faith. Lord, we just are going to believe for those amazing things. And, God, I pray your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, may it be. In Jesus' name, amen. God, it's good. Amen. I hope we're listening. Uh, this is confirmation of what was even shared last Sunday. Uh, just listen to the voice of God. Look for his connecting points in all this. Uh, the courage, the north, south, east, and west. I mean, these are things that God is speaking to us. Kent and I did not share with each other what I've been preaching, so just know that that's God speaking truth to us. Um, we're going to prepare. We're going to take up an offering for Kent. Um, 
And so actually the way we're going to do this, we'll just go ahead and put the plates in the back. Kent, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And we're going to pray over Kent. And if you've got an offering, uh, we can just put it in, in the trays on the back table uh, on your way out. I'll pray for the offering. But also I would like for us as a church, if you would like, we can come lay our hands on, on, on the missionary and we can pray for him this morning as well and for the work that God has called him to accomplish. So uh, I would invite you to come forward. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I think about courage. The courage to say every student in every school in America. The courage this day to prophesy the reality of those words. God, the expectancy of what comes as every student in every school experiences the love of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you this morning for Kent. I thank you for uh, his heart, for the call of God that happened in a campground in Lexington, Nebraska, God, that has grown into what this is today. Father, I pray you go before him. You continue to allow your favor to, to go before him, God, as he, as he guides and directs, Lord. I pray the anointing of wisdom be upon him. God, as he mentors and disciples missionaries who empower young people throughout this nation. God, for the wave that you promised, I pray in Jesus' name, a wave of young people who know you as their Lord and Savior, a wave of young people who know the truth of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for the, the incredible, to the north, the south, the east, the west, for the things that we can only dream about, God made reality because of the very promise, the very plans and words of God's made truth. God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Bless Kent as he goes. Uh, continue to give him favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can put the offerings in the back uh, on your way out. You can shake Kent's hand, ask him questions. Be blessed and have a wonderful week.